you know, I was a reporter for many years and I really enjoyed going to the, the contacts houses and talking with them about their stories. I really love hearing people's stories, especially when it's one-on-one and I can really dive into that. But every now and then there'd be people who would just stay on the surface. And I'm not, I'm not very interested in staying on the surface. And sometimes people who are really good at staying at the surface are really good at going on and on and on about staying on the surface. Yeah. So it's like, it's stuff that's not very meaningful, but they can talk at length. Oh, for a really long time. Yeah. So what ends up happening is I can usually recognize who these people are when they begin communicating with me. And uh, my body just starts uh, almost like shutting down. Like my eyes kind of glaze over. I start seeing spots almost like I'm about to pass out. Because it's it's like my body, my body is saying, I know that you're not going to get yourself out of this situation, so I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really awful. So in that situation, the person is basically a vacuum cleaner, and they're sucking <laughs> all of your energy, and there's yes. no endpoint inside. And so the danger, well, I mean, you need energy to survive. Yeah. That's why. That's so, why. As so the an danger is that you're going like to die. You're, <laughs> I'm going to die if you keep sucking this out. (laughs) If I stay here and talk to this person, eventually I'm going to die. Oh my gosh. Is what what your brain is telling your body. (laughs) I just think that's really funny. It is funny. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know why? Why? Because there are no children in the house. I know. Woohoo! It, it's uh, okay. I love the kids. Oh yeah, of course. But well, it's it's really nice. Just you know, when they're taken care of and they're safe, and they're somewhere else for a little bit. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. We, you and I celebrated 12 years of marriage uh-huh. last week, but it worked out to where the kids were able to go to their grandparents this week, this, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So when you're, if you're listening to this, uh, in the future, we, we just had our, our weekend retreat without the kids the weekend yeah. prior to that. So yeah, that's true. Um, we let the kids play hooky today. For shame. Yes, for shame. <laughs> we, you were telling me the other day that we looked at Jaden's. He got a perfect attendance. Yeah, when he was certificate in kindergarten. In kindergarten, and we were like, "What in the world? How did that happen?" Because, because yeah, it seems like we we let them play hooky all the time. <laughs> well, Not it, it's like, time. what is the maximum number of days they yeah. can be absent without being held back? Because we enjoy hanging out with them. Sometimes we just want to take them somewhere, and you know, yeah. It's not like they're going to miss all that much in school. So, well, and, and I feel like it's, you know, we want to send them the message that school is not important. <laughs> no, that is not the message. Okay. <laughs> all right. We can actually, we can talk more about that sometime. Yeah. Maybe it's not as important as you think. Well, I know that. No, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Today, and school definitely has to come into this conversation. Oh, yeah. Today we're talking about helping your introverted child navigate relationships. Mm-hmm. 
And I am not an introvert. So, you know, grow, growing up, going to public school, going to church, I was, I was always a, a person who got a lot of energy from being around other people. And I, was, I, I actively sought out opportunities to spend time with groups of people and be involved in activities and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I would go a little bit crazy if I didn't have the opportunity to spend time with people like that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about the community at seanwest.com slash community. Um, it's, it's a really cool place and I love coming in and hanging out. But what I love even more is being live on the air. So the, the people in the community get to listen to this show and the Sean West podcast that I'm also on. They get to listen to that live and I get to interact with them live and I just get so much energy from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and when, when the community has meetups and we actually get to get together in person, I get so much energy from that. <laughs> and and I, I want to hear from you. What is your experience as a person who is introverted? Well, so like when I was a kid up till now? Sure. Well, when I was a kid, I didn't really know myself all that well. And so I tried... I tried to fit in like everybody else did, you know, like when you're in junior high and high school, you just want to be one of the popular ones. And, um, and I had probably, uh, I mean, I was friends with everybody. I knew everybody, but I had, I had about three really, really good, deep friendships. And most of the time I would just hang out with one of those at a time. Um, but you know, I played sports, so, and I did band. And so there were always group activities and I never really knew why, I was exhausted whenever I would get done with an event, uh, even if it was something like a volleyball game or something, you know, because you're, you're still interacting with people because you're playing on a court, you're with your team, you're doing all of these things. And uh, I, I, it wasn't until you and I, uh, it was a couple of years ago when I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain that I was able to point to why these things happen because you and I were in a band together and I mean, we still are, we just don't play as much as we used to, but, yeah. um, but after the shows, I would be so incredibly drained from that. And I just never could explain why I just thought, you know, I, maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night, but when I read this book on introversion, so much of it just made sense to me. And I had never really thought in introvert or extrovert language. Yeah. And uh, I think we learned a lot about me from that book because for a long time, I mean, I was put in positions where I was just a leader and I had to lead this team of people. And, you know, I did ministry leadership. I did, uh, I was a journalist for a number of years and I was constantly meeting people and doing these things. And I just never knew it about myself that I was yeah, an and, introverted person. And that's not to say that as an introvert, being involved in those capacities is something that you want to avoid. But when you know that about yourself, you know how to, you, you know, know how, how to re- be involved in those yeah. things and, and get the recharge the way that you need to. Right. Exactly. So I want to talk first about how you recognize introversion in your child, because this is a, a really important first step. Sometimes we think we know, or maybe we haven't done any research and, and we're completely clueless. Um, sometimes there are telltale signs that 
that are there, but we are attributing them to something else. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to get into this a little bit so that when we, when we recognize, when we can identify it, then we can start helping them offset some of that energy they're spending. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the first things that's really important to realize about introverts is they're not always the quiet ones or the reserved ones. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, that can be a personality trait. It can be one of the ways their introversion manifests itself, but that's not the key characteristic. Mm-hmm. I think the way that we recognize, I don't know if you go into this, but the way that we recognized it with our firstborn is that he, whenever he would have group situations, he would come home and the behavior was just out of control. He was out of control with himself. Yeah. And I mean, his anger, his emotions, every, he would have a meltdown about everything. And, uh, it became really clear early on to me that he was an introvert because that was kind of his help me behavior. Yeah. Like somebody please figure out something to do. I'm so overstimulated. I can't take it anymore. I need someone to just sit me aside and, you know, let me regroup. Yeah. So we, we need to talk about that and tie that in, uh, tie that back to the root of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Now, now what you just said, you, you recognize that one of the things that I really appreciated about you as you engaged um, Jaden and our, our oldest with some of the struggle that he was having was that you didn't just compare yourself against him and say, oh, he's he has the same personality traits that I do, so therefore he must be mm-hmm. introverted. Or it, as as parents, just in general, when we compare our our children to ourselves and try to make assumptions about who they are and what their personality is, what's complicated about that is we've had years of experiences mm-hmm. that shape us. Some in some ways to be more healthy people, and in some ways. Uh, that cause us to struggle more with certain things. So as, as an introvert, certainly, uh, especially if you're not aware of it, you may have taken on certain behaviors and personality traits that though they're not just inherent to introverts can be characteristic of introverts. And so when you see, or if you see those in your children, you could be falsely labeling them. Mm -hmm. So, so it's just important to be aware of that and, and not to, try to compare yourself against them and let that be the determining factor. Right. What's really going on with uh, introversion versus extroversion is, is how we energize in social situations. Extroverts get energy from being in social situations and talking to people. That's mm-hmm. one of the ways that the extroverts energize. Introverts in social situations spend energy. And so when they... And it's just like you were saying, when you were playing a show and when you were having to talk to people at the table, at the, at the merchandise table mm-hmm. after the show, you were spending energy. And before you realized that you were an introvert, you didn't, you didn't know why you felt so drained. Mm-hmm. But that's what it was. It was, it was the, the way that the energy was flowing in those social situations. Now, the consequences of that manifest themselves in different ways when you're aware of it and and as a as an older person who understands what introversion is understands what it does to you it's a lot easier to articulate that as a child who doesn't have a clue what any of those technical Mm -hmm. terms are 
I can imagine how frustrating it was for Jaden to feel so drained and, and not know what to do with that and not know how to articulate it. And so it manifests itself in these behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like you get so incredibly overstimulated that by the time you get done with that situation and for him, it was really preschool and school. By the time he got done with that situation, he was just done. He didn't want anybody else telling him what to do. He didn't want to interact with anybody all that much. And so we, we had to start building things into his schedule that would allow him to take time away. Yeah. So, so that's where you want to focus. It's not, and, and I love people are saying this, uh, this stuff in the chat and it's just so true. Hallie says, shy does not equal introverted. Mm -hmm. And Garrett says, and you can be extroverted and still need a significant amount of alone time. That's, that's true. You don't, you can't just say, oh, this person is introverted. So they don't like being around people. They don't, they're shy. They're reserved. They're not outspoken. You can't, the, those personality traits may tend mm -hmm. to be more prominent in introverts, but it's not an absolute. It's not this binary thing. And there are varying levels. Some people are right on the line between extrovert and introvert. And so sometimes they can seem very extroverted and like they get a lot of energy from being around mm -hmm. other people. And sometimes they really do need that solitude. And, and there's also this ability that we have as human beings to adapt. And so when, when we are introverted people, but we're in a situation, maybe even for just a certain period of time where we're expected to be an extro extrovert, we, we get really good at doing that. So um, an example is, you know, when an introverted parent has children and I'm, I'm a very highly sensitive introvert. And so having six really loud boys, I mean, I get, I get overstimulated with sound, I get overstimulated with touch and everything. And so having that is, has been a struggle, but I've also learned to adapt to that. And, and our children can do the same for a yeah. certain period of time, but we have to be really careful about what we expect them to adapt to because it doesn't come all at once. And I, I know you're probably going to talk about this. So. Yeah, it's definitely something we're going to get into. I want to, I want to shift the conversation to something that comes at the tail end of this, you know, when you recognize introversion in your child and understanding what introversion is and what it's not. Mm -hmm. And what it all boils down to is in, introverts, just like extroverts, they're, they're human beings. And as human beings, we have a need for relationships. Mm -hmm. So you absolutely cannot say, oh, introverts just prefer to be alone. That it's not, it's not a matter of preference. It really is a matter of how they spend and gain energy. But it, that has nothing to do with whether or not they want relationships. And in fact, they do want relationships. They want authenticity. They want depth. And they need that because it's a human need. It's not about extrovert or introvert. So it's important to come at it from that understanding. Mm -hmm. How we introduce our child who is an introvert to relationships is important. Mm -hmm. And and it's like you were saying, you know, we can't we can't just do it all at once. Some children may seem more tolerant than others and children are naturally curious they they naturally want to be a part of what's going on some may be a little bit 
more reserved than others and take their time getting into that. But the kids love spending time with each other. Mm-hmm. And so we we definitely don't want to avoid sit- social situations by default. Right. You can't say, oh, my child's an ex- uh, an introvert, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to push them into being involved with sports or being involved with an organization or being involved with a youth group. Um, It's really good for them. It's beneficial to be a part of a group. But how you go about introducing them into that situation is really important. Mm -hmm. You want to ease them into those social situations. And as you do, gauge how their energy level responds see how they're reacting to that situation and see how their behavior might change or adjust. And, and you can get a good sense of what they can tolerate when you're really paying attention and being purposeful about that. Mm-hmm. And it was really great for me to come to that realization because I, as a parent who n- understands the value of our kids being involved in social, in, in social situations and having relationships with people in groups and working together with a team and, and those kinds of things, I, I naturally want to put them in those situations. Mm-hmm. But I would, uh, without this understanding, I would do so to the detriment of their ability to engage in those relationships in a healthy way because they would feel so overwhelmed that they would begin to shut down and, and not make those connections. Right. And so this... This actually comes into if if our children are involved in public school, they're kind of thrown at the age of five. They're thrown into this situation where it's not like it used to be when we were kids, where we had our own little desks and we had our own little space. But they're put into a classroom where there are pods of desks. And Mm -hmm. so there are five or six other people at your little pod. And you're constantly touching elbows. You're constantly looking across from somebody because they're arranged in circles. And the reason for this is to encourage group work. But for introverts, that doesn't work all the time. And so one of the things that started happening for our child is that he started acting out in school because he was just so overwhelmed all the time that he didn't even know what to do with his feelings. And I I actually had to advocate for him to have a space set aside either where he could go to regroup or he could just be there if he wanted to in a day. And and can I just say this real quick? Uh, somebody mentioned this in the chat earlier and it's absolutely true. Our culture values extroverted behavior. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's something that fortunately people are becoming more and more aware of the, the difference and the equal value that is offered through people who are extroverts and introverts and understanding that we need to make space and we need to shape our environments to suit both depending on the situation. Right. And so it may be necessary. And in fact, it's probably often going to be necessary that where other people and other groups are involved, you might have to step in and, and help shape that environment. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a skill that you can also pass on to your child. Now, there is benefit to being able to adapt to certain situations, but there's no reason. In, in fact, we should encourage our child to stand up for the way that they engage with people and, and that it's okay to say, you know, I need, a, 
I need a boundary here. Mm -hmm. If you really want the value out of me that I can bring to this group, I need to be able to have this kind of environment. Right. And what was cool about that is after he had a desk that was separated, I thought at first he might feel a little bit weird because he was the only one. And then I walked into his classroom one day and there were actually three other desks that were set aside from the pods because other kids were like, I would feel better if I did that too, you know? And so it was really cool to see that happen because, you know, our kid was given the opportunity to set a desk aside and say, you know what, I'm not okay with sitting with all of these people all the time. Yeah. And that I feel like that's something that, that happens whenever we're brave enough to stand up for ourselves is that other people find that they're also brave enough to stand up. Absolutely. So when we recognize that our child is an introvert, it's important, it's important not to give them a pass and say, oh, well, you don't have to be involved in group activities. There's, there's so much benefit for them for being involved and having to, not having, getting to work with other people and experience the, the value that different kinds of people bring. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of value to that group. So it's important to understand that what they have to offer a group is really valuable. What the group experience has to offer them is very valuable. What's also important, though, is to help our child understand that the way that they engage relationships, and, and there was a question. I'm going to go ahead and bring it in. Okay. Sam asks, are there different metrics for relationships when talking about introverts and extroverts? And he went on to explain, uh, uh, to open up his question a little bit more and talk about the depth of those relationships. And I would say, Absolutely. So while all people are capable of having deep relationships, mm -hmm. the kind of relationships that introverts thrive in are those relationships that are, that are deep. Deep and meaningful, and, yeah. And meaningful. And, and there's little tolerance for shallow relationships. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it's not, it's not a, if you, if you're not willing to go deep with me, I don't care about you. It's really a, about being efficient Mm -hmm. That you, as an introvert, have more tolerance. You spend less energy in a relationship where there is depth and meaning. Mm -hmm. You spend a lot more energy swimming in, on the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our son has even expressed this in a way that only an eight-year-old can. And he's he, you know, he. We ask him every day, "Did you play with people on the, or who did you play with on the playground?" Because we want to know his friends and things like that. And He'll always be like, I played with these people, but they're not really my friends. And when we dig into that deeper, we, we find that it's because he has a different meaning of friendship yeah. than most kids do. You know, most kids, it's like if you play with each other, you're friends. Yeah. But he has this he has this need to be known more than just on a playground, you know. And so I, I kind of find that endearing at the same time that it, I find it also sad because not a lot of kids are going to engage in a relationship like that at, at eight years old. Yeah. And so. There's, there's so much great stuff to get into that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I want to touch on this as, as something that's peripheral to the fostering of healthy relationships for our introverted children. A piece that goes along with that that's so important is teaching our introverted children ways that they can be purposeful about re-energizing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's establishing practices that help them to re-energize, creating those spaces, allowing them 
the time alone that they need and teaching them that it's okay for them to, in order for them to bring the value that they do into the world, they need to have that energy and, and they need to protect that time and, and be able to defend it. And so for our oldest, one of the things that we did, which we, we kind of went back on, we gave him, we gave him his own room for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, and now because. Well, there, there are a lot of kids. There are a lot of kids. <laughs> and there's, and there's not enough rooms. So. Um, he yeah. is having to share a room with his brothers, but we, we also offset that by allowing him plenty of time just to read and work on stuff mm-hmm. on his own. And we also have special time set aside for him to, to do that throughout the day. We give him some special time at the end of the day when his brothers are already in bed. And so we, we try to give him these spaces. And one thing that we haven't done a great job of is, and, and granted he's a little bit young, but we can start talking to him now about how that is benefiting him and how it's helping him to recharge. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that is knowing, being able to recognize when you need to recharge. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that when, when we saw Jaden acting out and uh, having these experiences after school, we have an opportunity there to tell him, you know, what you're, what you're doing right now, you're not doing because you're really angry about this thing. You, you definitely feel angry, but, and, and help make that connection to the fact that he's just drained. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. You're drained right now and you need to go recharge. And you know what, that's a, it's such a hard thing to do too, because as parents, we see that misbehavior and we want to fix it. And, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of our day too. And so we're tired and we're, mm-hmm. as, you know, especially me being overstimulated. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't, I don't have as much patience as I normally would. And so it's, it's hard to look at that situation and say, this is not because he is acting out because he just wants to make us mad. He's acting out for the same reasons that I sometimes yell. Yeah. Because I'm just overstimulated. I cannot take anything else. And, you know, his whole day has gone like that. I mean, I I get the privilege of sitting in an office by myself for five hours a day. Yeah. That, I mean, that feels like recharging. He's mm-hmm. he's in a school with, you know, a hundred kids. I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine going to lunch in the lunchroom. I, I've gone to lunch with him before and it's like this roar of voices. Yeah. And if you're, if you're stim, overstimulated by a roar of voices, you know, I mean, it's, it's all the time in a school. Yeah. And, and especially if there's no outlet for you to, to talk about that or, or say, I mean, he, I, I want him to feel the freedom to go to his teacher and say, you know, I feel really overwhelmed. Is there any way I could go eat my lunch in the nurse's room today yeah, or yeah. something like that? Hallie said something great in the chat that I'll bring in. She said, a new skill I've learned is knowing how to recognize when I need to recharge before I'm exhausted or in crisis mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the hard part is as parents, we don't often get that, <laughs> that luxury of recharging until kids are actually in bed and asleep. But uh, but it is very helpful, especially in teaching our kids. I mean, there are some moments where three kids are talking to me at once and I just say, you know what, guys, I'm really overstimulated right now. I can't really hear what anybody is saying because I feel like I'm about to scream. 
And it's it's helpful for them to hear that because the ones who are introverts, and I think we have at least two, mm-hmm. um, the ones who are introverts can hear that and say, uh, and then see what I do with that. You know, if I just need to walk over to the couch and take a minute away from everybody. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I walk to the sink and do the dishes because I don't, there's something about the warm water that's soothing to me. But um, That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> of so course that means you do. I don't have to do it. <laughs> Uh, but just, you know, modeling that behavior for them is super powerful. Well, and, and when you're talking about preempting this crisis mode, one of the things that's true is that our children are, are on pretty regular schedules. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier for us to anticipate the times when they're going to feel overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. especially if we can get into the nuances of, oh, today's a PE day. And so they're going to be in a loud gym with all of the voices (laughs) echoing everywhere or or today's uh, an art day. And so he's, it's going to be a kind of a quieter environment and he gets to focus on his own thing. Right. So knowing, knowing those variances, but, but building into those routines, some time to recharge when you know, you just know, regardless of whether they're acting out or not, they come home and they feel drained from their day and they need that time to recharge before you have them dive into their homework or before you have them go outside and play with their friends again. And it, it's not one of those things where they recognize immediately that they're drained and they want to play with their friends. They want to have fun. They want to go do those things. But sometimes we need to give them an opportunity to recharge first so that they don't reach that crisis mode in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. And an interesting thing with this too is for the kids who aren't in school, um, if you have multiple children, it's, it's like being in a community all the time. And so even, you know, we have three at home right now and I, they're too young to know whether or not they're introverts or extroverts, but being in that community all the time, I feel like there needs to be places set up for those kids to be able to just take time away. Because when, I mean, we live in a relatively small house for as many of us who are here. For the size of our family. Right. And I think I did some calculations the other day and it's like 120 square feet per person, (laughs) which is, you know, I mean, that's okay. But it's also kids don't really respect that space. And so they're always in each other's spaces. And it, it just becomes hard for an introvert to be able to function in a place like that. And so one of the things that I highly recommend is just setting aside a certain place where they can, they can have that be their recharge place, you know? Yeah. And we haven't been great about doing that, but the oldest kind of takes his own, his own little places. That's, so, that's your charging station over there by that. Yeah, window. exactly. <laughs> that's where you plug in. So I want to get into get back into establishing and building healthy relationships with others. One one of the things that's really important for us to realize just as human beings is that if we want to have relationships with other people there's investment. You know, we have to put something on the line. There's kind of that that first step you put yourself out there before you get to the really good stuff in a relationship. It's always even for extroverts, there's, there's always this uncertainty of, okay, is, am, if I spend my time and my energy on this person, is that going to result in a meaningful relationship that's going to bring value to both of us? 
Mm-hmm. So what's important for our introverted children is that the the energy that you spend introducing yourself to a new person, getting to know them, or being being in a group and getting to know the different people so that you get a sense of others' personalities, so that you know who you might want to target as a friend, the the investment that you're making there is one that's necessary. So you you can't avoid spending your energy. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to experience those deep, meaningful relationships. And sometimes that investment is not going to pan out. But when it when it does pan out, that investment is definitely worth it. And we need to help our children understand that and understand the importance of making that investment in the first place. Mm-hmm. So part of what makes this a little bit easier is when we help our children and, and teach them to practice traits that don't come as naturally to them, but that will make it easier for them to relate to people and and to navigate those relationships. Sometimes it's going to be necessary for them to be the outgoing person in the room. Sometimes it's going to be necessary for them to be the leader, to assert themselves, or to be the one who's doing most of the talking. Sometimes it's going to be necessary for them to make small talk. And uh, I, I would love for you to bring in your experience with small talk and, and uh, you have a very, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Physiological response. Yes, uh-huh. It's, it's really kind of awful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was a reporter for many years and I really enjoyed going to the, the, contacts houses and talking with them about their stories. I really love hearing people's stories, especially when it's one-on-one and I can really dive into that. But every now and then there'd be people who would just stay on the surface. And I'm not, I'm not very interested in staying on the surface. And sometimes people who are really good at staying at the surface are really good at going on and on and on about staying on the surface. Yeah. So it's like, it's stuff that's not very meaningful, but they can talk at length. Oh, for a really long time. Yeah. So what ends up happening is I can usually recognize who these people are when they begin communicating with me. And um, my body just starts uh, almost like shutting down. Like my eyes kind of glaze over. I start seeing spots almost like I'm about to pass out. Because it's, it's like my body, my body is saying, I know that you're not going to get yourself out of this situation, so I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really awful. I just can't, I can't imagine. Now, I've felt the sense of panic before. I, I wonder if that's what it is. I wonder if it's panic. Like, I'm going to be stuck here forever. <laughs> it, well, okay. So, so in that situation, the person is basically a vacuum cleaner and they're sucking <laughs> all of your energy and there's yes. no end point inside. And so the danger, well, I mean, you need energy to survive. Yeah. That's why, that's so, why. As so the an danger is that you're going like to die. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to die I, if you keep sucking this out. <laughs> if I stay here and talk to this person, eventually I'm going to die. Oh my gosh. Is what, is what you're brain is telling your body. I just think that's really funny. <laughs> it is funny. And it uh, honestly, it doesn't happen with people I know well because I I can, you know, I can still care about them enough, but it it's usually people I don't know very well or and they they just they're not interested in being known. Yeah. And so <laughs> so the the skill there and <laughs> the skill there is knowing how to work through those conversations and and 
kind of force an endpoint an endpoint graciously without being rude. Yeah, which is what in, I usually try to yeah. do. But I'm I'm I mean I like I break out into a sweat. I'm just <laughs> seriously like I'm going to I'm going to pass out if you don't let me. I usually right. We'll either make up an excuse or I'll just be like, well, it's really good to talk to you and, yeah. and kind of move on my way before. But some people are really, really good at not recognizing those cues. Those cues. And yeah. so it just it feels like you're just trapped. So, yeah, uh, you could always fake a phone call. There are a lot. of <laughs> So. So anyways, I, I guess what I'm saying is for the person who is listening to that and says, I have had that experience before and and who has children who are also introverts and they're concerned for their ability to be in those kind of situations, practicing things that are outside of our natural mode mm -hmm. is, is a really great way to help them feel like they have more control in those situations. They know that they can turn this thing on if they need to in order to work through this social, social situation. And this also goes back to the, the ability to recognize when you need to recharge and knowing how to do that. And so you can be more tolerant of a situation that is draining if you know that you can recognize when you need to shut that down and you, you know that you're going to be able to recharge later. Yeah. But like, like in that situation when it seems indefinite and, and you're not sure when this person is going to stop talking and whether or not you're going to survive the conversation uh, it really becomes a stressor and that compounds the drain of energy. Yeah. So it's, it's important, it's important to, to help them to be able to be flexible in those situations so that they can use those tools for the good of the relationship and, and for their own well-being. Yep. Now, as, as good as it, as it is, I, I Sean of, the Sean West podcast is highly introverted and he's developed these, these skills that he's practiced over time where he can come across very extroverted. He goes to conferences and meetings and he speaks and he talks to people and he's very engaging. And that's not to say that introverts can't be engaging, but it's just not his natural mode. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's practiced that so much, but he'll tell you, you know, he gets to the end of one of those conferences or one of those weekends and he comes home and he sits in his beanbag for five days to recover from that. There are things that the, the kind of value that he's able to provide, things that are just true about him as an introvert, as an individual, that were he to try to suppress those would completely take away from the value that he's able to provide people. And so it's really important for us to help our children understand that as an introvert, they have certain strengths that people who are not introverts don't have. And, and it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's, it's absolutely necessary. It's vital. We need introverts in this world. We need their unique strengths. And so when we recognize that our child is, is an introvert, we can help them to be confident in their unique strengths mm -hmm. and know that because they're an introvert and because they don't have to try to be somebody they're not in a relationship, they can bring a unique value mm -hmm. to that relationship. 
You know, extroverted kids are super fun because they're so boisterous and they're loud and they have so many interests and they talk a lot. They tell you a lot about their days and that kind of thing. And the introverted kids are kind of the ones who, you know, sit back and take it all in. They're very good listeners. They often have a really, really streamlined focus on certain things, like maybe one or two interests that they have. And I just think that's a super cool thing, too, because usually when they can channel that focus, they're so far ahead of their, you know, their, their peers because they had they had a quick start or, or a, an earlier start. Yeah. And I feel like that needs to be celebrated in our children and not. Because a lot of times with their peers, especially when they're young, like five and six and seven and eight, um, that interest can look weird to other kids. Well, and, and here's, the, here's the value that's very prominent in our culture, which is be interested in a lot of things. Be, be a jack of all trades. And in, in a way that, you know, like you, you could talk about like somebody could come up to you and say, well, what do you think about the NASA space program? And you could have a strong opinion about it and have a good conversation that, and, and that somehow makes you a more whole individual because you've got all of these different experiences and stuff. And what's really true is that when we each own our unique strengths Mm -hmm. and we bring our unique skills, especially the mastery of skills to a community and are able to collaborate with other people, but bring our own unique strength. We achieve that through focusing on one thing and not spreading ourselves over many different things. Mm-hmm. And and that that is what society is built on. People who just focused on one things on one thing became masters of that one thing and were able to share that gift with other people in a way that somebody who tries a lot of different things isn't capable of doing because mm-hmm. they can't they're not focused. Yeah. So this is this is the last piece I want to talk about and it's one of the most important ones. So in order to maintain healthy relationships, communication is key. And when it comes to introverts, our our introverted children need to feel free in their relationships to communicate with their friends about how they're feeling, where their boundaries are, whether or not they need to take a break from hanging out or spending time because they need to recharge. And in a good friendship with healthy communication, the friend should be able to understand that. And so it's important for our child to be able to articulate what it means, what it looks like for them as an introvert to be involved in friendships and social relationships. It's good for the friend to know, hey, when we have shallow conversation and we're, you know, we're just chit-chatting, I, I lose energy a lot sooner mm-hmm. and, and I, I just can't last as long that way as, as when we get into a really deep conversation. Mm-hmm. It's good, it's good to, uh, for our children to help their friends understand that about mm-hmm. them. And, and then to say, you know what, it's, I really love hanging out with you, but I got to go recharge. You know, and as an adult who has many friends, who has a spouse, who's an introvert, it is so valuable to me to know what your boundaries are and to know when you've reached your limit mm-hmm. because I, I want you to feel, I, I want you to be energized. I, 
I want you to feel like you're bringing value without completely depleting yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the times that I forget that, I really benefit from you reminding me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the kind of freedom we want our children to have in their relationships. And sometimes it means encouraging our children to sit down and have a frank conversation with their friends about what's really going on. And it's hard when they're younger for them to be able to articulate that. Yeah. I was going to say that too, that um, oftentimes, you know, when they're in the adolescent years, probably up till about fifth grade, maybe kids don't really understand the differences between each other. And so the kids who are kind of hanging out at the playground by themselves, I mean, our, our oldest will sometimes just walk around on the playground dreaming up new books that he wants to write and stuff. And that can be seen as weird behavior from other kids. And, and kids aren't that great about not letting each other know they think that. Mm -hmm. And so I know that our oldest has come home sometimes and just been like, you know, nobody played with me today because they think I'm weird and all this kind of stuff. And, and so it's valuable to open up those conversations with our kids and just say, you know what, we're not weird. We're just different. And, you know, we find value in different things and, Sometimes we are able to handle the big boisterous engagement with other people. And sometimes we just need to be alone. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of goes back to the spending energy as a way of investing in relationships. You know, we do encourage Jaden to figure out what game they're playing and ask if he can join and be involved in something that's, that's a little bit more shallow, but mm-hmm. just so that people can get exposure to him because the amazing things about who he is are the really deep things. Yeah. And up until a certain age, kids have a really hard time. Certain kids have a really hard time getting to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so play and the, the seemingly shallow things that, that kids do to engage with one another, those can be the paths to those, deeper relationships. Mm -hmm. But again, you've got to balance that against knowing when they need to recharge and knowing when they need to say, okay, I'm done playing for now because I need to take a break. Um, I was going to ask, I sometimes wonder, uh, because you have, you have a lot of friends. We don't have a whole lot of time to get together with our friends. I, you know, I run a book club and I get together with the women I consider my friends once a month, but that's about it. And I always worry sometimes that our kids are going to look at, you know, my relationship with other people and think, well, you know, friendship isn't really that important because mama doesn't, you know, she doesn't make time for her friends. So why should I? I, I'm curious to hear what you would say about that. Well, so time spent with people is important. We're also in a situation right now where we're investing heavily into our our relationship with our kids. And that takes a lot of energy from us too. And mm-hmm. so that leaves you with little energy to spend on friendships outside of, of our immediate family. But it is very important for you to have those friendships and, and to have people that you can go in deep with. And I would say you do have that kind of relationship with your sister, for example. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily the time that you spend with other people because they see that you spend time with them and that you foster those relationships. So there is an example in that. Mm -hmm. But I think that it it would also be good for you to talk about the other relationships you have in their hearing. And, and maybe, you know, for example, 
when we have dinner, one of the things that we do is we go around the table and we have everybody list their highs and lows. So after a book club meeting night, that, that next evening at dinner, you might say, you know, one of my highs was getting to have my book club with my friends and, and talk to them. And we talked about the book for like five minutes and then yeah. we started talking about all kinds of other stuff. And it was such a fun conversation. I think and, I've, I've talked about that with the boys and they're usually yeah. like, I want to start a book club. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I know that's valuable. I was just curious what you would say. Cause I, I feel like probably some other parents would feel that way, especially when we're in the young years where it's like all hands on deck. We can't really do a whole lot out of the home and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So one, one more thing to go back to the helping our children communicate with their friends, have, have that open line of communication. Another layer of that is the adults who are in those environments. So if, if it's in school or if it's in church or if it's some other organization that, that they're participating in, um, it's, it's great for us as parents to have conversations with the adults in those situations and help them understand our child's introversion how they interact best with with children. And so if they can understand our child at, at some level mm-hmm. the way that we do, they can also be a part of helping our children engage in relationships, being able to recognize when they've when they've had too much stimulation mm-hmm. and and not just helping our children communicate and get out of those situations, but also helping the other children who are there to understand what's going on. And and so it's it's just another layer of uh, of assistance that our children need uh, before they have the ability to articulate what they're experiencing well. Mm-hmm. All right, that was a lot. We yeah. have some questions that I wanted to bring in. This one was from Garrett. He said, "Do you think it's beneficial to sign your kids up for group related activities, uh, scouting, sports, whatever else is out there?" without asking them first, maybe because they're too young to really know. So I would, I would say certainly at, a, at, at an age where they have more preferences and, you know, could, could be a part of the decision-making process, you definitely wouldn't sign them up without talking to them and having a conversation mm-hmm. and, and making your case for whatever it is. But yeah, when they're, when they're younger, before they can make those determinations for themselves, I think it's absolutely okay. And this just goes back to the principle of recognizing how sensitive they are in those social situations, not, you know, throwing them in the deep end, but, but helping them to ease in gauging how their energy is being spent and, and helping them to find healthy ways to recharge. Yeah. And I would say just paying attention to sort of, I guess, how they change because of that. So uh, what I mean by that is, you know, if they're really happy kids at home and then suddenly we sign them up for something and they're coming home and they're little tyrants and there's no other way to explain that behavior, they're not doing it just to misbehave. They're doing it because it's like a cry for help. Yeah. And so just, just being sensitive to that as parents as well can help out. All right, I'm going to bring in one more from Corey Miller. He asks, I love, this is a great question. How can my wife and I, who are extroverts, nurture one of our children who is an introvert without them feeling like they have to be just like us and how we express ourselves? Mm-hmm. 
So there is a natural tendency for our children to mimic our behaviors. And again, there aren't personality traits that are tied to one to to extroverts and intro, uh and introverts. Some introverts could be could seem very outgoing and personable and and don't have a problem walking into a room and introducing themselves to other people. Some extroverts may seem shy and reserved. So the personality traits that you have as extroverts um, may rub off on your kids. And, and that's okay. What's, what's important to know is how they're spending their energy and how they're re-energizing. And, and that's, that's the most important thing to recognize. So if they seem like they are outgoing and personable and, and get along well in social situations and talk to lots of people and you think to yourself, I, I, I guess my child is an, in, is not an introvert, Yeah. but then they get home and they seem really drained and fussy and they act out. There might be something going on there. And so it's worth looking at that and, and determining, okay, maybe, maybe my child is an introvert who just happens to have these personality traits. And so we need to help them find a way to recharge. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I was just thinking back to when I was a kid and my mom is very much the same as I am very much an introvert. And so she, she understood our behaviors. And I think that the challenge that maybe extroverted parents have is trying to understand introversion because you have an advantage because there's me yeah. and I understand what's going on behind the scenes. But the challenge for extroverted parents is just getting to understand that. And I, so for that, I would just, I would point to Susan Kane as a fantastic resource. Um, a lot of people who post on her blog and stuff write about introverted kids and how parents can help their introverted kids. And so I would just, I would point to that as a resource. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was a really good show. Mm -hmm. I've, I have something that I'm looking forward to getting into in the after show, but first I have a question for you, Rachel. Okay. Where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. You can go to intheboatwithben.com and sign up for our newsletter. Every week we send out kind of the highlights and takeaways from these episodes. And we also give you a link to the show notes for those of you who are community members in the Sean West community. Uh, we have a link to forums where you can discuss these episodes and, and talk about them with other folks and continue the conversation. So I highly encourage you to sign up for that. We have some fun stuff coming up and I actually have something to share with you uh -oh. on November 11th, 1111, we are going to start putting out a weekly video show for in the boat with Ben. Yes, we are. Yep. So we're super excited about that. We'll continue to let you know as that approaches. We also have some other stuff in the works. We, uh, we are planning on doing a live webinar in the coming months. And we also have some fun stuff in store for the In the Boat with Ben platform that we'll continue to share. And the newsletter is a great way to hear about all of those things that are going on. If you want to help out the show, you know what? I'm, I'm going to back up. If you want to find Rachel, mm -hmm. she's at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. Go sign up for her. Uh, go, go follow her on Twitter. She tweets a lot of great stuff. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. And uh, if you want to help out the show, you can go to seanwest.com slash community. This, uh, this place is amazing. That's all I have to say. Just filled with amazing people. Lots of great conversation going on all the time. And so, so not only do you get all the benefits of being able to listen live to shows, check out the forums, fun events that are available only to community members, but you're also help, helping to make this show possible. So if you're not a part of the community, go sign up today, seanwest.com slash community. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Yep. Thank you. We'll see you next time. talk about the behavior thing because it's one of those topics that we uh, we tend to bring in a lot in support of other things but I, f- I feel like it deserves a whole episode but I thought it would be fun to talk about it a little bit here yeah and and what you were saying about the behavior is is kind of a cry for help oh it always is kids don't misbehave just to misbehave so so I want to I want to unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. When when our children don't know any better, mm-hmm. they do things that they shouldn't sometimes. Right. Just because they don't know what the boundaries are, they don't know what they're allowed to get into and what they're not. All they know is, oh, I want to do this thing, and so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. When they know what the boundary is, and they continue to break that boundary, that's that's a symptom of something deeper that's going on. Mm-hmm. Usually, and, usually it's tracked back to connection. Yes. So, so the connection part is really important. And that's why when we've talked about behavior, it's not a reactive thing, but it's a proactive thing. We start before the, behave, the, the unwanted behavior happens and, and we say, how can we focus on connecting with our child? Mm-hmm. But Connection is not the only piece. Right. There's there's also if if they are used to eating healthy foods and suddenly they get a bunch of sugar and and stuff that their body doesn't know how to how to handle. Mm-hmm. That can they throw haven't them gotten off. enough sleep. Right. If they're they hungry. Yeah. And or if if they're otherwise experiencing some kind of because as our children grow they change a lot. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in their bodies. Oh, and sometimes it's scary. Yeah. And, and so, so the behavior don't, I, I guess, I guess if I could give parents one piece of advice is don't take the behavior at face value. Mm-hmm. Always look deeper. Yeah. Because if you can solve what's really going on, okay. So have you ever, have you ever done this? Like you, you feel like you told your child over and over not to do this thing that they keep doing. Mm-hmm. 
that's not because they don't understand the rule. It's not because they don't know that they're not supposed to do that or they're not supposed to behave in that way. It's because there's something else going on. And so if you can look past the face value of that behavior and, and focus on what might be the root cause of that. And when they're, I mean, I'm going to be honest when they're young, it's really hard to figure that it's out. It's really hard. Because mm-hmm. they have they they don't know how to communicate what's going on or how they feel or Yeah. Our our twins are probably the ones who misbehave the most. And I know exactly what it is though. You know, I mean we don't connect with them individually as well as we do with the other boys because there are two of them. And they're both in the same stage and they're very curious. They're very smart. And I, if if we were taking more proactive steps about that, I think that we would you know, we would leave behind a lot of that misbehavior and they're not very good sleepers right now. They haven't been very good sleepers. And you, you can see the decline of like mental ability (laughs) to, to follow instructions, the less kids sleep. And so, uh, you know, we live in a society where people don't value sleep as much, but for kids, it's very, very important. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. I got distracted by something in the chat. Now, I think I'm reading this a little bit differently than what she meant, but Hallie said, I just remembered this aspect of childhood as an introvert. My mother would constantly talk and it was incredibly overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. I ended, I ended up being really irritable with my mom almost constantly. And I always felt like I was just a bad person. When I would tell her that I needed some mental space, she took it personally and would guilt me. Now I'm, I'm thinking about the times when I've, wanted to give Jaden some kind of correction. Yeah. And you've called me out on it several times and, and said, Ben, you overexplain things. Mm-hmm. You just talk too much. And kids have a short attention span anyway, but mm-hmm. when you're when you're an introvert. That's so many words. It's like wow. How, <laughs> so how, many words how to can navigate. You possibly expect me to sit here and listen to all of those words that you're saying. And you can see him too when I mean I watch this all the time. I don't even know if you notice it, but you can see his eyes glaze over. It's almost like he, <laughs> he has the same response I do to maybe, people. <laughs> maybe so. He's like, Oh gosh, now dad is talking to me. I'm gonna have to be here stuck here forever. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, uh, I need to find a way to be a little bit more efficient. Yeah. That's why I do well on a podcast though, I guess. Yeah, it is. And, and usually when we're in that situation, I'm already too overstimulated and tired to come to your rescue because I can usually sum up what you're trying to say in a few words. Yeah. So, so, so in what Hallie is saying, there's a really important lesson is when, when our children who are introverts need to take, when, when, Oh gosh, it's such a gift that they can recognize when they need that space, mm-hmm. when they need to take some time away. Because a lot of a lot of introverts, uh, introverted children don't recognize that. And they just they just continue to feel more and more drained and irritated and they don't know why. And then that's that compounds the frustration. So it's such a gift when our children can recognize that and and even more so when they can articulate that. Mm-hmm. And so when our children say I need my space. Don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's just their way of preserving their energy. And, and really, it's in the best interest of the relationship. It's in the best interest of the family because when they are able to preserve 
their energy, they're able to provide the most value to the people that they're in community with. Mm-hmm. 